Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome back to Classic Doctor Who here on AfterBuzz TV. I swear, one day on one of the Doctor Who shows, we are just going to come in with acapella Doctor Who by the host. It's going to be horrible, and no one's going to listen past that. But thank you guys. But thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. This is Classic Who Story, The Censorites. A six-episode arc from season one, written by Peter R. Newman, um, from the uh, mid-year summer of 1964. Long time ago. We're talking 50 years ago, exactly. And I'm Katie Cullen. And Katie Cullen. Hi! I'm literally the I was only like, other person yes, here. Yes, well, I hadn't gotten to like to be today's, I hadn't gotten to, and today's panel Today's is, panel is one person with no patience. Yes. One um, other person with no patience, rather. Um, but yes, I'm Zach Wilson, and Katie Cullen is joining us. Uh, Tari Miller and Megan Salinas, unfortunately, out today, but they will be back shortly. Eventually, once they step out of the TARDIS. Eventually. Well, they lost the lock. Oh. They're stuck somewhere because the sensorites stole their lock. Um, Which, wow. How did... How did <laughs> again, just... I expect it to make sense and then it doesn't and well, I don't know why I'm surprised. It's one of those little things that's different between yeah. then and now. Like the, the the idea of taking a lock out of the TARDIS. Back then, it, the TARDIS was just a thing that yeah. you could manipulate. It wasn't this invincible magic box from just, the from the re- far reaches of space. I mean, it was, but it wasn't invincible. I just expected a locking meson- mechanism with 27 some odd different combinations, as we established in the Daleks, to be a little more fully integrated into the <laughs> ship itself and not just a metal cylinder that you can pop out like taking a soda out of the fridge. I mean, the sensorites are not... They don't have no technology. They do have a certain level of high technology at their disposal. So you could argue that at this point in time, they have enough of an advancement in technology that they They could have spaceships. Cut. Yeah. And they're psychic and stuff, you don't know. And and this is the TARDIS early on. It's it's adapted over the years. The TARDIS is a smart True. thing. It's like somebody cut my lock off. I should do something about that. Probably adapt myself so that they can't cut my locks anymore. It's the equivalent of waking up in a bathtub of ice with your kidney missing. She's just in there going, <laughs> Oh 
I mean, yeah, <laughs> in a sick, <laughs> twisted way it is. Um, this is, I believe, I mean, we did skip over some episodes. Again, we're, for, for those of you who may be new to the Classic Who podcast, we are focusing on ones that are on uh, either Netflix or Hulu or an equivalent uh, widely available streaming service. We will do a few that are only available on DVD. DVD being the bare minimum of availability that we but will do. But we can't afford to buy every episode yes, out so there. I mean, we, we, will, we, we will skip we over a few. And like Marco Polo, we skipped over a, a little while ago. And that one is one of the missing ones. There are pieces yeah. of that that just don't exist anymore. Um, so I'm not sure if this is where they first established the key. It's the first time we've seen Susan like with the key, like, like massive keychain. We Again, we did establish that there was a lock in the Daleks and that she had the key and that Ian would not be able to unlock it or he'd fry the lock. Yes. So we have established the that there's a there. lock and key going on here. We hadn't established that you can just remove it wholesale. That yeah. I'm going to be stuck on that for a while. <laughs> um, but we but we're already open this episode. Um They've, we've landed, perhaps we've landed on something, on top or of something. In something. I mean, Barbara's like, or insides, because they're moving. It's yeah. like, it's, it reminded me of the 50th anniversary special where they're <laughs> like, we're moving, but the engines aren't going. What's happening? We've landed inside a whale. We're going to meet Jonah. Uh oh. That would be a good, I, that would be I don't know if they've done Jonah. Um, well, they I've did done... space whales, so they have Done, yeah, they have done whales, so I, I don't know if they can do that. We've already met the last. We've already met the last one, so it'd be hard to. And that wasn't a way. very good episode. Anyway, We're not going to get so. started on that. We had that yeah. debate again, like weeks ago. Anyway, uh, yeah. I thought it was very interesting early on, just to like some of the stuff before we get into the sensorites. They t- they start talking about um, Ian and have Ian and Barbara changed from being on the TARDIS. It's very quickly raised and not does not yeah. it's not a thread, but I thought it was a very interesting point because it's something that is a consistent throughout all of Doctor Who. Ha- do the companions change? Well, yeah, it's kind of an adapt or die situation there. But I feel and it, but Ian and Barbara, I think, don't feel like they have really. They they're just like adapting to the situation. They don't feel like they themselves have changed, but they absolutely have. Barbara well, you can is, never see that from the inside. You're like, I'm still the same person. It's like, no, you were a god three episodes ago. Um, that's that's <laughs> gonna do something to you. Yeah, and just by just by being around. Not just the doctor changing, but the things he does, the adventures he takes you on. Yeah. In this case, a lot less intentionally than, let's say, the, oh, yeah. uh, Capaldi and Clara today, where they're like, hey, hey, we're going to go check out some sand piranhas. You want to jump on the tar- <laughs> and charge and come? Um, this is, they're, therefore, they're lost. Yeah. But that is informing who they are. And if they, when they do eventually get home, they'll never be the same again. I like the assumption that they'll eventually get home. Um, but at the same, I assume nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know what their journey is entailed. As I say, we, we are commenters. This don't for the first spoil time. us, please. Yeah, we know that some of you know pretty much everything, but please bow, don't spoil us. We bow to your knowledge, but please don't spoil. Yeah, um, don't spoil the immediate stuff. We obviously are talking about modern and stuff down the line. But anyway, yeah. But the other question I thought that brings up: Have Susan and the Doctor changed based on Ian and Barbara? Hmm. That's a better question. I'm going to say Susan, yes, the doctor eh. has the doctor has the doctor become softer? No. He's definitely still that like harsh like I'm I'm doing my thing. I don't care about you people, but he has grown to like Ian and Barbara. 
I don't think it's a matter that he's become softer. I think it's a matter that he's always had that soft spot for Susan. He's just starting to kind of gradually bring Ian and Barbara into it. It's the, well, nah, I don't hate you. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, and we definitely see a lot in this episode about the Doctor and Susan's relationship. Yes. It's a lot of the negatives as like we would see them that maybe people wouldn't have latched onto as much back in the day. I don't want to harp too much. I know we do that a lot, like harping on the 60s and the differences in time. But, but, <laughs> oh, and, yes. and there, they are stark differences. Just it's about society. And like that's the beauty of Doctor Who is this, this one show that has spanned the generations, the same basic plot line. 50 years apart, what are the differences? What does that, what does how Doctor Who live tell us about the world? What really stood out to me is um, when the Doctor and Susan are arguing, and then he turns to, I think, one of the censorites mm-hmm. and says, you see, when all the time we've been traveling, we've never had an argument, and now you've caused one. Which we've <laughs> like, seen them have arguments before. Yeah, in and like, I'm thinking, in all the time that you've traveled, she probably just does what you say, and you're not accustomed to her going, no. Well, we've seen her argue, like, in the first episode of the entire show. We see her like, oh, but I like it here, Grandfather. I don't want to leave 1960s England. I think he has a very selective memory. Well, the Doctor in all forms has a very selective memory. (laughs) More so this one than some of the other ones we've seen. Yeah. Again, we're comparing it to modern, so. Yeah. But, But I would say that that's, again, a consistent. Like, he sees what he wants to see. And he, uh, sometimes he sees the bad as well, and he goes to fix it, but he sometimes will overlook. Yeah, he's got selective aspects. everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, that's part of what I like about the Doctor is he's a force of nature, and he's changing. So Susan is still evolving. She's still growing into a woman, because she is a young person, as far as we yes. can tell. Um, the Doctor, I always think of as a force of nature, who... For me, that's how I view the show, because the Doctor does grow yeah. a little bit, but a lot of what hit, a lot of, but my favorite part of Doctor Who is how people are affected by him, how companions change because of the Doctor, who just like popping in and doing stuff, doing his thing. He doesn't grow that much. Not but really, But the companions no. do. The companions change and grow and evolve over time. Well, companions also have shorter lifespans. When you live for a bazillion years, if you have personality changes, the big one, if you have a large change, it's going to namely be brought on by trauma. Time war, anybody? (laughs) But for the most part, as far as gradual change go, it's going to be on a much, much wider scale. It's going to be a much more gradual shift. So we don't see a lot of that. We see surface changes when he regenerates. But at the base, he's still, like you said, a force of nature. And we just, we don't see too terribly many changes because, again, we're looking at a span of a couple decades and he's looking at spans of centuries. Yeah. Um, it's a different vantage point. It's the, the, the life of, the, you've seen it, we've seen it in a lot of different science fiction. The life of an immortal. How does that change who you are? How does it change how you see the world? I know, that, like, oh, just another show, if you're interested in that topic, uh, Helix <laughs> on Sci-Fi, which I do the after show for with our fabulous engineer, Stephen Shameless Lemieux. Shameless plug! Shameless plug! But it is a good show, and it deals with this issue, is the only reason I plug it here. Um, but we'll keep moving forward. Let's let's talk about this episode. <laughs> yes, I was wondering um, when we were going to get to that. So we land, they, they're they on this spaceship, they walk outside, they find the crew, two and people. And it's a ship full of dead people. Yeah, well, full, there's two people. Full, um, full. One guy hidden in another room, but, like... They think they're dead, but they're warm, and the watch doesn't match. 
So, like, what's going on here? And they come to find out these people are perfectly alive, but they have been psychically trapped from leaving. They're just basically, like, as soon as they try to leave, something shuts them down. Our ship is in orbit around this planet called the Sensosphere? Sensosphere. Sensosphere. Thank you. Um, And every time we try to leave, the Sensorites stop us, and they drove our poor companion, whom we've locked in a closet. (laughs) Insane. Like, yeah, because that's going to help him recover. Good job, everyone. I mean, when you you don't have a lot of options at that point. I know, but it's like, seriously? You locked him in a closet and you don't talk to him? That's, That's, yeah. Oh, that's really going to help him regain his sanity. You. Um, well, one thing I the sixties. Re- <laughs> yeah. Well, one <laughs> thing I really enjoyed about the way that this like sort of built over the first few episodes is that yes, it's a it's one f- long storyline. They are very different. Like this is almost like haunting. Like what are these yeah. aliens? Who are these bad guys that are going to kill us? Um, and then we meet the sensorite like outside the window. Really creepy. This like and it's a pretty good costume. For, for the time, like, like the production design of it is, is good. It feels maybe not real the same way that we see prosthetics today, but, but they knew, they did what they could and it worked. It was simple so that you, you bought, it was like the, the wide open eyes, the like, the hairless head, but like the, the weird like cat hair yeah. beard thingy. Like it's just, like when you see those guys who are bald, but have these huge bushy beards, it was kind of like <laughs> that, but alien. And like, so you like alien bikers. You couldn't quite see them talk. You could um, see things moving because the actors were certainly moving their mouths yeah. in those masks. But, but. they're supposed to have mouths. Like they do have a mouth that's just sort of hidden by the beard. Um, because they, they distinguish the psychic talk yeah. versus actual out loud talking. Yeah. Um, which I thought that was, this is where it sort of takes a turn is that they can communicate with their minds, not just to block these people from leaving, but to talk to each other using their the little like they like take the way you know, like a cell phone <laughs> he puts his phone to his head well it's effectively it the same like thing a stethoscope almost yeah um well very simple again just uh alien technology that you don't understand it could be so simple there could be like intricate work that needs to go into that divine it like a divining rod of sorts but but it looks like knows, a stethoscope yeah who knows yeah. what kind of technology went into that little disc honestly i'd love to see these come back in new who well, I would love here's to see the, the sensorites in New Who. They kind of have. Because if you look the at them... The Ood, a little. The Ood. They look like the Ood. But, but also remember the Ood sphere. And the Ood are a semi-psychic being. True, They're but they very... have the collective brain. This is a little less collective brain and a little more we're just connected like it's the internet. I, I so wonder... I would love to see the sensorites in that capacity. I, heard, I read somewhere that... I don't know who said it exactly, um, that they are near each other. So I have to think that they're like cousins of a sort. That's um, interesting. Sort of like, uh, like uh, they're, they're like near each other, like Neanderthals and humans, like technically different species, maybe, yeah. but like on separate planets. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense because obviously the sensorites are much more evolved than the ood. Yeah, the ood seems like somebody actually probably went in like, oh, we should do like the sensorites, modernize them and bring them back, and then sort of like evolved into the ood because they there's so much of the ood in the sensorites, True. like the design, not just the design, but also the psychicness. The ood, like, it's pretty heavy handed when you see ood sphere and sense sphere. Yeah. So th- it's pretty clear that somebody was doing it intentionally. Um, I think that was their way of bringing it back. 
True. Um, like, these people would evolve to a point where, because that's, that's an evolutionary theory that you'll, everyone, like, humankind will eventually evolve into a collective mind. Like a single hive mind. I just keep thinking of that episode of Futurama with the robots. <laughs> I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> um, well, it's a very, uh, it's an Arthur C. Clarke theory from one of his early works. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a, there's definitely a modern who parallel yeah. there that they brought in. Um, but that was what I was thinking. I saw them. I was like, are they the Ood? No, I, but they're I'd talking. I still love to and see the sensorites just yeah. wholesale in New Who. I know we've had the Ood, but I would love to see the sensorites. It would be it would be interesting because they like what's in what what was fun about them is that they're they're good aliens not oh, yeah. not like the um the the Thals like that whole yeah. like distinctly like oh we're in a war and the Daleks are evil but these are like a conflicted society of people yeah. with issues and so that it's broken down they don't have names they're broken down by position and rank it's a caste system but not in the way we know a caste system it's you're just you do your job it's very uh socialist in its way yeah. that like it's not about these people are better than these people you have leaders because any because you need oh, leaders. Any, yeah you need a structured leadership for any society to function because communism only works on paper <laughs> exactly um so you have the first elder and the second elder and the city administrator evil city administrator my gosh i know his his mouth didn't open wide enough to chew the scenery as hard as he was trying to my gosh very um, good star scream voice yeah. with that one but they have the warrior class the warrior cast scientists the scientists and just like the worker cast that yeah. just like does the stuff and there's no disrespect in being a worker cast they just like that's what you do. That's what you're best suited for. Which like now you see like a brave new world storyline from the from the sensorites rising up. I will be a warrior. You are a worker. Go back to the fields. <laughs> I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm like creating side stories. This is like the uh, yeah. the transmedia side of the sensorites. Like off in a corner, like we saw uh, first sensorite or like fourth sensorite he's just like often he's having his own adventure in the background yes these are the things that go on in my brain it's not a normal place up there you just give the side characters backstories and stories of their own constantly congratulations it's called fan fiction (laughs) that is normal for a lot of people no it's called transmedia that's the professional version really yeah well, we don't. We're not going to get into that. We can talk about that later. Um, oh, but so that's what gave us Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> um, but the, the, they, the, when they meet the sensorites, um, the elders and and the every, and the ones up on the spaceship Im- immediately know these humans are smarter than the others. Yeah, um, the doctors are different. We can hear that his brain works differently than everyone else's. Yeah, they they haven't quite distinguished that they're aliens yet. Although they have, they do go into the fact that these they are from a different planet, specifically in this episode. Well, and they have a good reason for not wanting the humans to leave, because last time they had humans on the planet, a whole bunch of sensorites got sick and died, Which, and continue to get sick and die, and they're just like. We can't let these humans go. Obviously, they'll bring more humans back and they'll wipe us out. This is not a good situation. But we're not going to kill him. We're just going to keep him over there. It's like putting a cup (laughs) over a spider. You don't want to deal with it. It's a very, it's like, what if the Native Americans had been a more advanced civilization? And they were actually, their civilization is underspoken in like the way we tell history. But like, what if they had had the technology 
to deal with this kind of stuff, to fight back. What if we hadn't done smallpox blankets? Well, that's effectively what happens here. Yeah. Is that the this is the middle of the smallpox epidemic? They the, people are like dying. They have no idea why. No way to to stop it. And then more people have shown up that the same type of people that brought it the first time. Well, and there doesn't seem to be a pattern to the disease. It's not mm-hmm. contagious. People just up and die in three days. And that's and so they're very suspicious. And then, of course, Ian drinks the water. Don't drink the water. <laughs> it's like drinking the Kool-Aid in this society because they bring him down. We leave Barbara on the ship. The other three come down and, okay, we'll try and figure out what's going on. We'll try and figure out your cure. And then they bring in water. Oh, don't drink that water. That's not the good water. Take that water oh, but away. I'm we'll so bring the thirsty. nice crystal stuff. I'm so thirsty, though. I'll just have a little haven't you ever been to mexico ian you just were (laughs) you just were in mexico (laughs) montezuma's revenge is a real thing i'm aware i've been to egypt (laughs) yeah same thing happens yeah either way ian should know better (laughs) yeah Um, it's it's yeah that's one of those things that like i saw a great article about brit like reasons that time travel will be horrible for you and what that's one of them is that like no matter what time you travel to if you eat any food or drink any water your host there is no it will water if it's natural but like if you eat any food there's no way you're going to survive because their bacteria is just totally different yeah um but so the um they, they go down to the planet susan goes down susan has a connection with them susan has a psychic connection Susan is mildly psychic, and it's pretty awesome. I they don't go into it specifically. I wonder because it's not that she's Gallifreyan because the doctor doesn't have it. I wonder if it's because she's young. Could be that she is. They talk about people having an open mind versus a closed mind, and that she hasn't lived for a bazillion years and closed her mind off to other possibilities yeah. yet. Because the doctor is very, very set in his ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about how she wants to run. But also, she wants to go home. Like, she wants to keep adventuring, but she also would really like to go home. Two very conflicting feelings. Well, it's been forever and a day since she's seen home. Yeah. The so burnt orange sky and silver, silver leaves. leaves. Um, the first mentions of Gallifrey. anything about Gallifrey. Yeah. Um, that will be, that that will set the tone for the planet for the rest Ever. of. Yeah. The rest of the show. Um, the first drop of, they did, still didn't name it yet. But the first mention. Just that place. <laughs> that place with an orange sky. Um, so that's that's why I think Susan is psychic. Is that because children are just more open to... That's the same yeah. reason children can speak a new language easier. Yeah. Those um, centers of the brain haven't shut down yet. Yeah, and, and so, maybe Gallifreyans have those centers of the brain and they shut down when you get older. So she can hear what they're saying. I hear what you're saying, Katie. Well, yes, we have very nice microphones yeah, and headphones it's, in it's here. Yeah, in, it's in here. Yeah, uh, it's all in your head. <laughs> um, so, and, and they also start to learn more about the sensorites and, like, not just their society, but also their weaknesses. That they're a very weak species. Again, like the Ood, they're not a very defense-oriented species. They they can't see anything in the dark. Yeah, they just have and very small loud eyes. noises wipe them out. What what bleh. loud noises shut down their brain. Yikes. It reverberates so much that they just their brain goes into a shutdown mode. Um much the way like that there's... can happen with humans if you overload your senses. 
Um, but it takes a lot more than a loud noise. So the doctor starts shouting at them and they start kind of covering their ears and freaking out. It's like, oh, that loud? That's all it takes? Well, they Don't took, ever go to a rock concert. They took the lock. He needs to get the True. lock back. True. And so he strikes a deal. Like, I, if I cure your widespread disease, because I also got to cure my buddy over here. Ian's yeah. like dying. Um, can I have my lock back? To which Please. they need to like confer with the second elder. At which point, it's like, how is that not a good deal? Because they're humans and they don't trust them and they'll leave and bring other humans back and wipe everyone out. And the city administrator's kind of a paranoid jerk. But Seriously, he's paranoid. scenery chewing fury. He's paranoid for, for a reason. People True. are the la- like he, he see there's a very strict cause like he sees a cause and effect going on. Like humans came and then disaster struck. Disaster we could not comprehend, can't stop. Humans are back. What like it it makes sense that bad stuff is coming again. But for a society that is explicitly stated to be based on trust time and time mm-hmm. again, he is one suspicious jerk. Yeah, and you think, and self-serving and, and power-hungry, and he's our one-dimensional villain. Well, I bet you it, it's also rooted in the fact that if for a psychic society where you can so much read another person's mind, he can't read these people. There is True. no psychic connection at all, which means that these people are are um, variables that he cannot understand. True, they're unpredictable. So, but the point where he turns on one of his fellow censorites is kind of the point where you lose any sympathy for his cause. Yeah, he goes full taken too on on <laughs> on uh, the, second the second elder. elder. Yeah, he kidnaps his family and is like, "You're gonna do what I say," and like it's like nobody can tell it's not the second elder from far away. Well, one of the other contingencies of the deal is that they're going to take the poor guy who's gone insane and been locked in a closet for a few years down on the planet and cure him because he has a little bit of psychic sensitivity. And basically what happened is they turned his fight or flight reactors on flight and he's been terrified for almost no good reason for years. And that's completely driven him up the wall. Yeah. So they're kind of resetting his brain chemicals so he doesn't freak out all the time. And the um, one of the other crew people who his fiance made a comment to the city... Help me, I lost the word. City City Administrator. There we oh. go. That guy. I'm not sure what city thing you heard. <laughs> the, the, the guy. The, the evil guy, dude. To the evil dude. Basically saying, you know, if it weren't for your different clothes, I'd never recognize you. Because the scientists have little beakers emblazoned on their chests, and the city administrator has a, I assume, red collar. Uh, for, uh, second elder has one sash. First elder has two. And the the warrior has like little rings yeah. on his thing. I guess probably denoting rank or something like that. Basically, they all look the same. So let's give them different costumes. Well, it's the they all look. Well, they actually did a good job with the prosthetics, making them all a little bit different. True. They do they do look different, but to us, they all look the same. And they even go into the fact that humans look a lot the same. Like, the men who, like, Ian and the other men look very similar. They can tell it's the Doctor. And this is what happens when they kill the second elder later on in this, in the city administrator's grand plan to become leader um, and to kill all the, kill all humans. Um, I'm not going to stop with the other sci-fi references. There is nothing wrong with that. Um, 
but so he kill all he, humans was a great game. <laughs> but he kills um, the second elder and tries to blame the doctor by saying, "Oh, they're like, how did you know it was him? Well, we and could see the color of his hair flunky. and his coat, and it's like." He left. We were just talking about how he didn't have his coat. Yeah, this this poor flunky that the city administrator's been dragging around with him has been part of his plans, and then continually takes the fall. It, it happens <laughs> twice. He gets thrown in prison, and the city administrator takes him out, and then he gets thrown in prison again. It's like you 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 gotta stop. This is not good for your career. You just gotta stop. I think he trusts, he probably feels a lot the same way that the city administrator does, that he doesn't trust these people because he, again, sees that disease came with the last batch of humans. So we're gonna trust the guy who's willing to kill the second elder. Well, he's more familiar than the aliens. True. It's a very, they're very distrustful, which is very human of them in the way that we know it. Um, to not to not trust outsiders. True. Um, well, and it doesn't help that there's a group of humans in the sewers straight up poisoning people. Yes. So the the doctor gets to work in the lab, very quickly comes up with an antidote. Yeah. Um, that didn't take long. They figure out, okay, the the poison water is coming from District 8. Here's the antidote. Give it to Ian. Give it to the other people. Life is good. Yeah. Um and so they, they're like, you go about it, but the the city administrator steals the antidote, the cure, the antidote before. It will cure everyone. Well, what if it's an actual antidote? Well, if it is, and the human isn't faking being sick, he'll die, and we'll know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's a great plan. Uh, <laughs> Except for the whole part with him uh, dying. Yeah. There's there's that. That's kind of an issue. Yeah. But Ian's all good. They heal him up. Eventually. They get another dose um, of antidote. And they go out to find out what's poisoning everything. Because it's not just chance. Like, there's something going on there. And the sensorites won't go down there because it's dark and there are monsters. There's a monster down rawr, there. Rawr, rawr. Um, and there was a brief... Like, when they first went down there, I thought, oh, it's going to be the humans. And then but there was a brief moment where they first, like, you heard that sound, and I actually thought, oh, there might actually be a monster down there. Like, another sensorite alien thing. And um, it turns out being the people from the, uh, from the other, from the tail end of the plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically. The um, well, the other people took off and they just assumed that there had been a struggle, and that's why the ship had blown up. Yeah. So they had no way of knowing that three people just hadn't been on that ship. Um, some like surviving in the underground and believing that they were at war with the sensorites mm-hmm. and essentially I, th- I think they're a little left of center too uh, the, little wacko oh yeah they've they've uh they've gone a little stir crazy down there they've lost it um they've got sharpened sticks and trying to kill people doctor the doctor and Ian get cornered and brought to the commander and they're like no it's Totally cool, man. We totally won the war. The sensorites yeah. are on the planet. Why don't you come up? It's totally, it's going to be fine, man. Because the people, and I don't even know where they got this, have been planting belladonna, deadly nightshade, under some of the pipes so it'll seep in and poison the water. And they're like, okay, we did District 8. Great, let's move on to District 9. So I they think, keep moving. Didn't the doctor find it, like, growing yes. nearby? Which yes. seems like growing there, it's like, okay, it's fine. It's he found it nearby. growing under the pipe, though. It was getting into things. Oh, is that how it was getting in? Or did were they taking it from there and then putting it into the pipes? I 
I'm not entirely sure. I would imagine that they'd place there because you know plants will grow into anything. Yeah, I'd imagine they'd put it there so that it would grow into it. Either way, they not they good. they found a way to be killing all the sensorites from down below, and but they, their evil plan is put to a, a stop. Um, and I thought the the big thing that's very interesting, especially in comparison to the Aztecs, is the anti-colonialism at the heart of this episode. The Aztecs, very pro-colonialism. Like, yeah. these people have, society, this society has problems, uh, we shouldn't, we, we need to interfere because they've lost their way. Again, it's the white savior complex. Yeah, but in this case, it's very much, no, the, the, be, the it's the showing the other side of it. It's, these are the bad things that happen when you go, when you go into a society you don't understand. Yeah. Um, and interfere. You de- you kill people. It's showing the bad side, and that sort of I think shows the ve- like the diversity of Doctor Who, the the variations, yeah. like the ability of the show to flex different muscles at different times, to play the good aliens and the bad aliens, to play with the good sides of colonialism against the bad sides. It could have been a little bit more direct if they had been more like combined. Yeah. That's sort of what you get more today, because just because television itself is more nuanced, just by the yeah. fact that it's evolved over fifty years um, to the point where you they you figured out how to do that, um, and it's stuff like the the city administrator, not the most complex <laughs> character in the world. He was, hilarious. but he serves his purpose in the story um, yeah. because you needed a bad guy and you needed a simple bad guy. Again, it's a kids show, so you're trying to be a little bit more direct. You almost didn't need a bad guy for this one, though. You almost didn't need the city administrator. It was another level of plotting where this could have been resolved in three episodes, but we have this guy throwing a wrench into the works. It could have just been, well, exactly. okay, just... <laughs> here's the disease, here's the poison, here's the this, we got to go find him. Oh, look, here's the shipwreck people. Yeah, it, well, I think that's the case with a lot of classic Who, is that you could have found a way to do this today in an hour-long episode. But let's add in more moving parts because it makes people interested. Yeah, because you're doing 24-minute episodes. You have a smaller budget. You have to stretch things. When you do complex costumes like this, you need to stretch them out over as long as you can. Yeah. Um, And it's not that they're not compelling. This was, like, at the end of it, I think this was a really good story. Honestly, once I got past the first two episodes, I was into it. It was the first two where it was just like, okay, let's keep moving. And then once they actually made it down to the planet, it was like, all right, I'm interested. Tell me more. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm intrigued. I'm like waiting. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, how it's all going to unfold. This could, if you'd taken the Doctor and the TARDIS out of it, this could have just been a standalone science fiction story yeah. that could have been a 1960s movie easily. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun story. It's interesting. It's intriguing. It has uh, political elements. It has real elements. It has fun fantasy elements. Yeah. It's a good story. Um, I mean, I guess uh, this is what I'm, this is what Doctor Who is at its heart. Yeah. It's just good stories with a character to take us through them. Um, and then we get more into, like, the intricacies of the Doctor, of course, as we go forward. And, like, once we get introduced to the Time Lords, which is not even, like, a thought on the horizon at this point. And that's when they add this whole other, here's this planet you can mess around with. Here's this society. Here are these other tor- Time Lords you can play with. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even close to there yet. Um, that's, like, what, second Doctor, third? I have no idea. 
The um, future. Yeah, it's in the future somewhere. The, the past is in the future. Uh, <laughs> Onwards, Aoshima. <laughs> I thought at the end, and again, just to bring it back to the to Susan, at the end, Susan Susan uh, says that she wishes she belonged somewhere. Yeah. Um, very teenage girl classic feeling. I wish I could. She misses home. Yeah. She, she miss, really does. She misses home. We don't even know at home, but we know that Ian, we know from Ian and Barbara what it's like to miss home. Yeah. Because they're missing Earth. And so they're very much feeling the same way with Susan as a young girl, even more so. Um, I love the ridiculously abrupt note that this whole story yeah, ends on. Yeah, because Ian it's just like, that goes. came right the hell out Ian of nowhere. Goes, at least they know, like, they see the ship going away when Susan's like, oh, I wish I could go home. And it's, it's Ian a just happy goes, ending. The, the insane guy is sane again. They fixed his yeah. brain. Everyone's going back to Earth. Everyone's happy except mm-hmm. for the uh, second elder who's dead. Well, uh, no. Aside uh, from that, you know. But Ian, at least they know where they're going, which is like a fairly innocent. Like, we know yeah. that they're lost. Like, the doctor's not getting them home. But the doctor's very offended. Was that a jab against me? Well, I've decided I'm kicking you out yeah. at the next stop. No you arguments. Can, it's like it's like the dad. Like, uh, well, you could just get out if you're gonna be mad like that. See, and it just and came like, right the hell out of nowhere, bro. Whoa, take what? a step back, Doc. Um, and and that's where we leave it. And that was extremely abrupt. <laughs> it was just like, okay, <laughs> that um, what? <laughs> did 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 we need to end on that? No, I what what what? <laughs> Doctor, are you feeling okay? Is there something in the water? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was, apparently. there was. <laughs> but he could but been the doctor dead, cured so. it, or did he? No, he bum, did. Bum, bum. He did. Uh, but so, any any last thoughts as we wrap up here, Kay, on this episode? I honestly think they could have done it without the first two episodes. I really enjoyed the story once we got later on in it. Yeah, this is... I, and this, I want to see him come back. This I might do. be my favorite. I really enjoyed the first the first story, just because of just the setting up of everything was fun. I wasn't um, extremely fond of the first story, but, but I did enjoy the Aztecs. Um, this, I think, is my favorite one so far. Yes. Of the classics. Yes. It, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this one. Uh, so, thank you guys for joining us. Um, we're going to be doing, I believe... The chase next time. We have to skip over the second Dalek story. We're going to be skipping over a few because we, there's a ton of Hartnell episodes to do. And we want to get into the second Doctor, the third Doctor, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. We want to yes. eventually get to all of those people. I'd I'm like so to get- looking forward to eventually doing Doctor Who the movie. So excited to do that I one. want to do more Doctors before Gallifrey rolls around in February. Yes. So we're going to be skipping over some stuff. So we're going to jump to The Chase, which is available on Hulu+. Plus. Um I'll probably try to check out somewhere the invasion of the Do- the, the Dalek invasion of Earth, but yeah. but it's only available on DVD. So we're going to jump to the third Dalek story to get into what they're doing. Um, so Katie Cullen, if people want to keep up with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Kiaxe. That's K I A X E T. I am also on the Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan panels. You can find Megan on Twitter at the Manguin T H E M E N G U I N. You can find Tari on Twitter at Tari J T A U R I J A Y. And please find us on iTunes. On iTunes, wow! <laughs> Rate, subscribe, tell us you love us oh, because yeah. you know we love you. 
My bad. Um, but yeah, yeah, I got you covered. Hey guys, uh, uh, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson. T H A T Z A C H W I L S O N. And also here at After Buzz, I'm doing. I got a ton of shows this fall. Resurrection is back. Doctor Who, the modern year, the the current run. Um, Grimm's coming back in a few weeks. We've got uh, oh, so much more. Grace Point starts tomorrow Ooh. for you, David Tennant fans. Um, all right, I'm Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 